Hello and welcome to this week's episode of BWB Extra, where we get to know this week's guest, Dr. Phil Armstrong, a little better. Phil is a no-nonsense economist, teacher and associate at the Gower Initiative for Modern Money Studies, an independent, non-profit organisation which is part of a growing international movement challenging the economic status quo of the last four decades. So kick back and get to know more about the man behind the magic of modern monetary theory. What are you doing exactly and how did you end up doing it? Well, I'm a teacher. That's how I define myself. You know, I was saying the day earlier that I, I finished my first degree in 1979. Then I had a year at home as a lab technician, earned some money. And then I uh, did teacher training and then I taught in a comprehensive school, economics mainly, but other subjects, maths, biology, bit, bit What of, age did they teach economics? Uh, economics is 16 to 18. Is that what you did at university, economics? Yeah, yeah. I did economics and accounting, but I couldn't do the accounts. I dropped that, and I just did economics all the way through. But when you teach economics in the school, economics is a sixth-form subject, so you have to do other things. And also back then, you know, because I'm 20 years ago I taught, and I don't have a PDCE or anything, but in private schools you could just walk in yeah, and yeah. basically teach anything. Oh, really? You don't even need to I be didn't. Quiet. I mean, I taught Latin, and I didn't... I did Greek at university. I didn't do Latin, but I taught Latin. <laughs> No, you had to have a teacher's certificate. If it ends in M, it's accusative. That's all I did for a year, so. And what's your long-term goal, do you think? I like helping students, you know, like uh, maybe mentoring is probably too strong a word, but maybe guys doing PhDs or masters in economics. I like doing that. I like writing. Uh, working for the Gims. The Gims are like, I'm about to plug the Gims. Just three. Now, what's Gims? Gims is called the Gower Initiative of Modern Money. They're basically a group of women. You might call them ordinary women. They're not especially academic, but they're forces of nature, national treasures. And essentially, you know, they're just women who had probably heard blokes talking in pubs about how to solve the world. And they got tired of it and they said, right, well, let's stop them just I've talking heard in pubs. of the Gower Institute. Yeah, and they just not? met in the Gower Institute and just formed a website. And basically, they got all the world's greatest economists, in my opinion, all right? People like Warren, Bill Mitchell, Randy Ray, Stephanie Kelton, they're all the top people in the world. They're on their advisory board, okay? And what happens is they send us out to do talks on behalf, to explain MM to explain how the world is better. Are they are they pro MMT? Though? Yeah, yeah, they're they're MMT advocates. But their MMT. The Gower adv- Institute was around beforehand, was it? No, no, they they just met in the Gower rooms, okay. and that's why they're called. They formed it. Okay. But the thing about it is, is without being over sort of too sentimental about it, they want to make the world a better place. Right. And the way they can do that is if people understand MMT, it's not a policy, it just opens your eyes to what happens. So you realise what you can do. We are limited by our real resources. You know, if we don't know how to be... But, but they, they've so inspired us. is it a pressure group or is it...? It's, it's a, it, I don't know whether you call... I guess so. It's, it's, how old is it? <sighs> I ought to know. I'd say not that old. I mean, five or six years. It's the leading MMT group 
in the country by far. They have a, like a fantastic website. They've got loads of resources on it that people can find out about MMT. People who want to know about it, contact them. And then people who, if they have questions, they pass them on to associates. I'm one of the associates. The other guy is Neil Wilson, super sharp guy. Um, and we just try and build the MMT community. But the point of understanding MMT, it's not an end in itself. It's if you understand the system, then you can build policy based on it. And it has to come from the bottom, because as we've already said, people at the top won't take the risk. What's the most misunderstood thing? So, I mean, in your job, I guess. Right. Oh, well, the thing is, in teaching, there's kind of three stages in teaching. One is like, what? So when you start, and you know this, you're really worried about, do you know the stuff you're supposed to teach? So what you'll have done is gone by and tried to work out how to teach Latin when your degree's in Greek, and you're worried about being shown up, and you work on what? The next stage is technique. How am I going to teach you? So like, what techniques will I use to get it? Now, unfortunately, the world and Ofsted, they think that's it. But there's a third stage, and it's what you're like. Mm -hmm. Now, the most important aspect of teaching, and without me waxing too lyrical, is what you're like and how you make the students feel both towards you and everybody else. So when I taught engineering, which is, I know nothing about engineering, but, I mean, I could be wrong, but the kids said, you know, I was doing a good job and I, was, I got a good reviews from them, they got a good result. Well, how much do you really need to know to teach? Well, you don't, you, you need to know enough. You need to know a bit, and I did have to learn some stuff, but fundamentally, it's about you. And if you think back, all of you guys, think back to your own school days, if there was somebody that you thought as a teacher, well, I kind of like this person, or they... They, they understand me or they're inspiring or they're doing something. It was nearly always because of who they were and how they made you feel about them and everybody else in the classroom. It wasn't necessarily that you thought the guy understood more than everybody else or indeed used different techniques like nice worksheets and, and stuff. And actually, to be honest, the people, you know, when I think back to school, the absolute geniuses weren't good at the teaching because they it came so easily to them that they yeah. didn't understand why everybody Wood else for was trees. Kind of yeah. too lost yeah. in the subject. Yeah. Yeah. In all my 42 years of teaching, I've never seen a kid leave a classroom and say, do you know what? I really enjoy that worksheet because it's beautifully decorated around the edges and I love the way the teacher had put a lovely border on it. They're not interested. They said, that was a laugh. Or yeah. that was funny. Or... When, when teachers said that to Arthur, we all had a right laugh. So the answer is they don't really know a lot of the time how much they're learning. You know, sometimes a kid, I'm not saying I'm the best, will say, we seem to go really slow in your lessons, but I can't work out how we've learned so much. And I go, ah, well, that's the trick. And I'm not in any way pretending I'm still learning and I still make loads of mistakes and I still talk too much. But you, you, it's a difficult job, but it's not about fundamentally, it's about not about technique. You've got to like the students and you've got to want them to do well. You know, end of story. And they know, they know if you care even, and they'll forgive you. Young people are very forgiving relative to adults. If you make a mistake and you get something wrong, but but they they know whether you're bothered. Can you influence these kids? You can well, not not so much about the subject, but like 
I mean, again, I'm getting a bit over philosophical. Like believing in themselves, arguing with me. And things like go to university and don't be put off by student debt. Because... Considering things on a wider yeah, basis. Yeah, considering on the wider issues. Or have you thought about studying that? Or say a kid looks nervous and say, are you okay? And they go, oh, I don't think I can do it. And I say, well, you can. And this is, I'm going to prove it to you. Uh, what do you think is your biggest cock-up in terms of what you've sort of, in your career and where you've ended up? Oh, um, I think I, I my main cock-ups are related to IT. I mean, I'm really bad at IT. If I touch a computer, it goes wrong. I'm well known that, I mean, one guy said, he's never known a guy like as qualified as me who can just break a system. And when I f used to teach, right, they had a thing. You've got uh, dangerous hands. Those yeah. Hands the, the, the head of IT had a thing called Armstrong Proof. And what that meant is, see, he had a new thing he wanted to introduce to all the staff. He would send it all out. And if I could do it, anybody could. And I once said to him, am I the worst at tech in the school? And he laughed and said, not the worst, but you're the worst that will try. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got a passion outside of business? I suppose my, I'm very interested in sport, all right? So I, I like sport in Middlesbrough Sea, so that's very important. I like cricket. Uh, I'm a Christian, so I think I'm very passionate about faith. Have you always been a Christian? It's unusual in this country these days. Not really. always, no, for about 30 years. Something happened or? Yeah, I just got a sense that the world can't create itself, you know? It's got to come from somewhere. Uh, and that kind of bugged me for a while. I, yeah, yeah, can't, yeah. I mean, I'm and with I you, think I you can't go, you know. Yeah, like the E equals MC squared, you know, like where where did it come from in the middle? And I just kind of got a sense that you look at the world and there has to be some element of design in it. And then I went from that. Did you, you know, do alpha or something? No, I, I, my wife was, I went I'm to church with my with wife. I'm with you with step two, but to then pick a religion is where oh, I fall down. To be honest, like, that's quite well, hard. All... And, and a lot of people don't take that step, I think, and I wouldn't want to judge anybody. That would be really bad. Yes. Mainly because if you believe in a particular religion, there is a sort of external constraint. You, you, you know that little voice in your head that you think, you maybe shouldn't do that. Suddenly, would you agree, it becomes a bit more real. So if you think, well, I know the universe really can't create itself, but I'm just going to ignore that because no one's really given me a good enough explanation. And because faith is in fact faith, it's not science, and you'll never get it proved. Because if it was, it wouldn't be faith. So yeah. in a sense, that becomes your problem. And in, in the end, it comes from like within, you just get a sense, you're ready, the balance tips, where you just think to yourself, in my case, I read about Christ, I, I believe in the fact that, you know, he is a man, Fully man, fully God, died for me, and that really has helped me. It informs what I do. And I think as well for me, it's very important, rightly or wrongly, that I'm a Christian and a socialist in that order, but I'm also a Christian socialist, and there's a great... Mm. Jesus, my head just exploded. Well, it's What's a, a great, Christian socialist? A Christian socialist, right, <laughs> is someone, and there's a long heritage of it. The people who I would look to be like R.H. Tony. Carl Polanyi, and to an extent, Tony Benn. And these are Irish Tony. This doesn't uh, make gang. What I really think is like, what, what, how can you translate Christianity? A Christianity is like the two great commandments 
love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your brother as yourself. Now, can you be a, a right winger and love your brother as yourself? Gosh, what does right wing mean? I think that's what we're all struggling with now. Because rugby, for, by that definition, means can you, a bastard can't be kind. It's like, yeah. Well, if you're saying, right, okay, if you are... A right winger. I mean, I'm, I'm going to look. What is a right winger? A philosopher. Right, whoa, this is a great question. Yeah. Right. It, okay, let's just think. There's two kind of views of the world, isn't there? The, there's the right wing view, which I'm calling it right wing, is when you're born, you're born an individual with total rights to do whatever you want to do without worrying about anything else. It's called methodological individualism. Is that the definition of right wing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the charity begins at home. Yeah, yeah. Now, this view really is, and Thatcher summarised it with, you know, the there's no such thing as society. It's just a collection of individuals <laughs> Doing what's best for them. And left wing is it's fully... Yeah, and then in so doing, the happy accident is we all end up happier. The the opposite of that is a communitarian view. And the communitarian view is from birth, immediately, we're born immediately as part of a community. So we have both rights, but those rights bring with them responsibilities to care for others. Balancing the selfish... Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, it is. It's the old Spider-Man. No, but great power, great responsibility. And don't forget with selfish bastards should be the the whole sentence. You know, we're fucking like tribal selfish bastards. The the fundamental thing about Christianity, I suppose, is that it's it's sort of counterintuitive in that it's not the way people, it's not the way you start thinking, loving somebody else as much as you that you so that you, you know, the greatest love somebody can have is to lay down their life for somebody else. Yeah. You know, it's not the way most people think. It's something you have to kind of physically do because it's not natural. I mean, without evolving myself in too much theological controversy, in a simple, which is always dangerous, because I'm not a preacher, I'm an economist, but, but the thing is, if you look at that second point I made, love your brother as yourself, if you take it seriously, then you are, it's an old-fashioned word, morally obliged, aren't you? Obviously to tell people why you've got a faith, because, you, you know, you believe in it, but also you have the other element of trying to open people's eyes to making people's lives better. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised Right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others Get set up and on their way Ori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. What's the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? I would say don't be interested in cricket. 
because my dad said it's boring, it's a slow game. You know, there are certain types of music. It's difficult because people tell you this music's good. And when you listen to it, you don't really like it first time. You've got to keep on listening and eventually you get it. Now, cricket's like that. It's an investment. What is brilliant is my PhD supervisor, he loves marks and cricket. And what he does is he does his profound thinking about marks while he's watching cricket. Because it's a game that is so cerebral and you can be involved in the, the beauty of the game, but you can think about other well, things. Well, it's a bit like baseball in that respect, because you can spend all afternoon at a baseball game and anything exciting that happens, they show again on a big screen. So you yeah. don't really have to pay attention. You can yes. just sit in the sun, yes. people bring you food and you read a book at the same time. And, and I've really, really, really enjoyed watching cricket because football I find although I'm a big Borough fan I watch football I think my wife described football to me once as an exercise in frustration because if you're playing really well nearly always you don't score as many goals as you should you can't at the TV and if you're behind you're going oh no we're going to lose again it's very rare in football once every hundred games, yeah, you, you'll win 5 nil, And it's really tense, it's nervous, there's a lot of passion when you score your lead. But cricket, I'd, you have tense moments in cricket, which is brilliant, but a lot of the time, you just enjoy it. And that's why cricket is great. I'm, I'm advertising cricket in all its forms. What's the best piece of advice you were given? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say follow your heart. And your arse will follow. <laughs> well, I have a mate of mine. He's like a legendary figure in my... I met him at school. Uh, he was the cleverest kid in the school. And he could do anything. And I lost touch with him. But I knew he was clever. And I found him and he's now like a major professor. And he always... He could do anything, but he followed his heart. And that's what he always says. Like, when you're a kid... Do what you love. Is he a professor in an ice cream factory? He's a professor of Semitic <laughs> languages nice. at Cambridge. Whoa. He like, wrote the textbook. He is the most modest and wonderful guy. But uh, he, Semitic meaning? Uh, uh, languages Jewish. of the Jewish language and, and uh, Aramaic. All those and, kind of Levantine languages. Yeah, all that from the Middle East and all the dialects. Strange hearties. Uh, Whoa, know, boy, so. he's clever. Yeah. Hey? But modest. Any recommendations? Something to watch? GG podcasts? You record your own podcast? No, I, I, I wouldn't. I'm not like, it's nothing like this, but what gyms get me to interview famous economists. Ah. So I sit at the other side of the mic sometimes and ask them about their lives and economics. It's not as wide and kind of as this. Free range. Free range, yeah. It's very full. That's what we like to so, think I, I mean, I obviously... I. I like various TV shows, and I love Mortimer and White House Gone Fishing. Oh, Why? who doesn't? Because Bob Mortimer is from Middlesbrough. He's a similar age from I me. He's got my. Well. He's got the same sense of humour as me. He's just cleverer and funnier than me. Uh, and um, well, Paul Whitehouse is very like my PhD supervisor. Oh, is it Paul Whitehouse? And uh, have you not seen it? It's oh, the loveliest on. thing. It's, it's They're so they just go and fish and it's really slow and they talk about random shit oh, yeah. while they're fishing. Like the and the other thing I think people have got to do Steve is watch. Driving around. You've got to listen to yeah. your podcast, you know, the BWB podcast with yeah, Pippa and Andy. Yeah. You've got to listen to that. Totally. And also really MMT that. podcast and Macaron Cheese podcast. Okay, so this is where we give you 30 seconds to pitch 
a book or anything you want? Well, I've written one book. I'm still in debt at, uh, with the Edward L. Gag. With the my, publishers. With no. the publishers, because <laughs> my, my royalties are... What's the first book called? It's called uh, Can Heterodox Economics Make a Difference? So this is all the rebel schools, the pluralist schools, MMT, all the others. If you imagine trying to destroy the Death Star in Star Wars, all the ragtag brigade of, right. like, outliers, the can they work together? Red five. Yeah, can they blow the Death Star up? Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. And also, on a more serious note, uh, Gims uh, are bringing out their own sponsored MMT book in January. We've got all the best writers in the world. And by definition, if they're the best MMTs, they are the best you economists. Must, if you're going to need a recommender, come on this pod. Do let us know. Oh yeah, yeah they yeah, will. Yeah. They'll follow. You, you know, uh, so Warren Moles are in there. Bill Mitchell, uh, Randy Ray, all have been. Ooh, getting, economists seem to have quite sexy names. Yeah, they? they all sound like they're porn stars. You know, what? Randy <laughs> Ray. Yeah, Randy Ray. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you meet him, you probably think differently. But he's a lovely guy. They're all great guys. So I'd I'd recommend buying these books. They are expensive, and I do apologize but i didn't sit the prices so that was this week's episode of bwb extra and we'll be back with a new episode next tuesday until then it's goodbye